Folks, I want to welcome you all to On the Edge with K.A. Owens. I'm K.A. Owens, and we're broadcasting from the top of the Haven Building in Louisville, Kentucky. This is 106.5 FM and uh, WFMP-LP Louisville Forward Radio. And you can find out a little bit more about the station if you go to forwardradio.org. You click on a button, we're live streaming now, and you can listen to us anywhere in the world on your smartphone, uh, tablet, PC. Uh, again, I'm K.A. Owens. Uh, the show you're listening to is On the Edge with K.A. Owens, and uh, we're blessed and favored to have uh, Chanel Helm of Black Lives Matter Louisville here with us today. Say hello to the people, Chanel. Hey, y'all. How you doing? And we've also got Vincent Gonzalez here. Vincent Gonzalez is on the board of directors of the Kentucky Alliance Against Racism and Political Repression. So w- welcome to our show, Vincent. Hey, now, how you mama now? <laughs> all right, all right, all right. So uh, Vincent is, has been on our show several times before, and this is Chanel Helm's first time on the show. So Chanel, uh, you've become sort of a, 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 a well-known local figure here in Louisville. You've become a national figure uh, connected with the work of Black Lives Matter Louisville. And, and here we are in uh, September of 2020, and... 2020 has been an interesting year. So we've got the COVID crisis, we've got an economic crisis, and we have a uh, sort of police community relations crisis sort of based around, it's not that it's new, it's just that certain cases have become high profile. We have an over-militarized police crisis. Yes, that was pre-existing, that was, has become highlighted this year. I think has that has increased. I don't want to make it sound like, oops, they just did it again. You know, yeah. um, their entire goal is to always be increasing the amount of militarization and militancy of their officers to suppress um, working class and poverty. Um, and now middle class, I think coronavirus actually opened that up um, to pull back like how fragile the middle class actually was and just really teeter-tottering on either the have or have-nots. Um, while the uber-rich have gotten increasingly richer, um, those in poverty and the working class have grown increasingly uh, impoverished. And so that's what we're seeing right now. And all of that is controlled by the police. I think that's a narrative that hasn't been lifted up in this moment correctly um, due to folks, you know, wanting to jig for notoriety, I suppose, or whatnot. But um, it's very important that we keep that narrative there. There's going to be all different types of tactics that are going to be taken and to overshadow that like trying to blow us off the earth in a, in a fake war with Iran and um, also you know just purposely setting fat wildfires you know I, I'm not for sure why people think it's incredibly important to set off whatever in a forest but um, those are the things that have been riddled in 2020 where we're rolling back the covers of how fragile the middle class is and if we remember like um, the proletariats um, have always amplified uh, what this moment is going to look like and we're here we're here exactly so it is a phenomenon that uh, in the middle of economic crisis Wall Street goes up and the millionaires and the billionaires actually make money uh, they actually increase uh, their wealth, but uh, I mean you can measure it. Uh, uh, so the middle class, uh, people who have uh, who thought they had good good jobs, uh, uh, then they uh, have to uh, stop working for whatever reason, and then uh, the unemployment systems, uh, unemployment insurance systems collapse, mm-hmm. and then it turns out that. Uh, 
you know, certain states that had, say, for instance, Republican governors deliberately gutted unemployment insurance staffing and personnel. Mm -hmm. So when people start filing for unemployment insurance, uh, they have a hard time. I mean, there are people in the state of state of Kentucky who have not received check one. Yeah, but also remember that's the that's the issuance of this first stimulus package. So let's roll back to February when we're talking about the um, the fires. That was gutted first. Any emergency response. Um, the entire presidency has been making this entire notion that like our EMS and first responders have always got to be first. But money has only been given to the, the militarized police, more militarized weapons, um, more militarized language, standard operating procedures, and legislation, blue lives matter laws, um, even anti-protester laws, all those go hand in hand with any other structure being defunded because where is that funds going to? They're going to the police. Even our own budget increased around um, public safety only to the police and not anywhere else. So as soon as coronavirus um, acerbates into public coffee tables and, and, and into homes, um, we find out, which is really confusing to me how people are upset now, um, as upset we were when it happened, that coronavirus was spread like wildfire in the U.S., um, totally ignored. But knowing that that comes in like that, we know how, if we get the if we grassroots organizers get that word on the ground um, that, you know, something is coming, we know that's going to affect the social economic status of um, this nation. And it did. And so Trumpism um, has to be proclaimed in this situation where corporations can blindly ignore the social services that actually lift up those people. Right. We're still having this conversation around the postal service and uh, social security, social security that they keep dipping out of and pushing into private hands, um, public schools, putting private sector uh, administrators over that to turn all those funds into the private sector. Um, and then once we start closing, and then getting shocked at the stock market to go down. They don't have to worry about the stock market if you have the resources, if you've grown wealth. Um, look at Aunt Bezos with Amazon. I mean, he's a trillionaire. We don't even have trillionaires. Um, he's able. I saw the... I mean, I think it's silly when it's like, oh, you could give everybody this amount of money. Um, and it's not about the money. It's about the food. It's about the housing. It's about the access to joy. You know, like those are the things that we're really looking for. I mean, I just don't think that folks are amplifying that until you have a Black Lives Matter moment. Right. This iteration of black liberation movement is really calling for the, the the existence of what we know now as the policing to extinguish, to abolish itself. And we have to believe in ourselves to actually lift that up. And I just don't think that that's taking place if we're still looking for handouts from the government or from these institutions who have grown wealthy off the back of black folks. We have to remember that to decolonize ourselves around what the notion of ser public service is, we're going to have to uh, decolonize the notion that we're attached to money. We are money. So, uh, uh, so that's kind of a, a snippet of, of where we are in 2020. It's amazing uh, that there could actually be a major city uh, that would actually even be discussing in the middle of a COVID crisis laying off EMTs. Makes no sense whatsoever. Absolutely no sense. 
note whatsoever. And then for Louisville to bring it on home, we were already looking at major cuts that were going to need to happen. Let's let's backtrack to last year's budget fiasco that gets started around this time. As soon as the budget is passed, then you you have to start on a new budget. You don't wait until they say, oh, here, I have the budget. Here it is. We already know what it's going to look like. It's not servicing the people. So what do we need that is going to service the people is what we have to work on. And that's why investing and divesting is very much important. So you pay attention to what it is that we actually need. Community and defense doesn't always mean armed protesters or armed uh, militias. It actually means changing the way that we talk to each other, changing the way that we look out for each other, how we can feed ourselves in food apartheids and what housing looks like and what safe, um, affordable education looks like. And so... After, you know, one of the slap in the face was around the pools, that was directly aimed at um, a, a very overt but covert way to say, you know, we're not getting ready to fund anything in the black communities. And I think that sent like half of the black communities to be like, oh, well, they're going to do whatever they want to do. So I'm going to do what I need to do. Um, and those are the folks that, that are directly impacted. And then there was a whole host of suit and tie black folks that were just like, now, wait a minute, sir, you know, running in like Steven trying to get funds from whomever. And we still see that even in this moment, just getting happy because you get a few million dollars from a corporation when they owe us everything. So I think what a lot of folks don't want to hear is that because then it jeopardizes relationships within these corporations. But that's what Trumpism is. Trumpism isn't about relationships. Trumpism is about the access to the table, to the funds and to the positions that actually push what type of um, what type of nature we need to have with our folks pushes people into poverty. You're not going to be able to sustain those funds if somebody's not um, in poverty. And we need to be talking about what poverty is. And we're not doing that. We just want to feed our folks. We just want to house them. So here we come this year and then we get into coronavirus. Well, essential workers here in Louisville and West Louisville and, and out Preston and Newburgh and everywhere that they're impoverished people, Middletown, people forget there's a poor community out there. And then out J-Town and Fern Creek, like we saw the implosion of their income. And now we've got like, oh, we can raise money for rent. Oh, you can? Because y'all raised $21 million off top and then you raised another one. You were asking for a minimum donation of 100000 So who are you talking to? Because you're not talking to us. I know I ain't got 100000 sitting around. I know you don't have 100000 sitting around. I know Vincent don't got 100000 sitting around. So who are y'all talking to? And these are the things that we got to pay attention to. On that COVID relief fund with the Community Foundation of Louisville was a request for people to give at least $100,000. That access was sent to somebody else. It wasn't sent to us. We have people in our neighborhoods who are trying to figure out how they were going to make sure they could get to their job who was not shutting down McDonald's, who was not shutting down Family Dollars, who was not shutting down Thornton's. You know what I'm saying? People making hourly, low hourly wages. If at any time, and this is just something that a lot of our national organizers were thinking about, this is it. The pillars of powers have been hit. You know what I'm saying? And the one that is yet to waver is the police. And here's the thing, too. Folks have to be kind of paying attention. And, and you can think you're paying attention, but actually not. Like last year at this time, 2019, and they were talking about we had a budget crisis here in the city of Louisville. And so that's when the city wanted to have an insurance tax. And, and if uh, the mayor was threatening, if we don't have the insurance tax, I'm going to shut down the public libraries and shut down the pools and all this kind of stuff. And I didn't know that we only had four or five public pools left because mm -hmm. when I was a kid, 
They were mm-hmm. 10 or 12. Mm-hmm. I took mm-hmm. swimming lessons at a public pool. That's where mm-hmm. I learned how to swim. And I had to learn to swim because, like a lot of black people, I have negative buoyancy. So if I don't swim, I sink. <laughs> so uh, uh, so uh, I had to learn to swim. Uh, uh, but, but here's the thing. If you don't have kids in school and you're not taking your kids to the pool, you kind of wake up one day and you say, there are only four or five pools left? And they're talking about shutting those down? What happened to all the, all, all the pools? And then you read, and then in the last, econ- in the last e- economic crisis, Jerry Abramson not only shut down some pools, but he actually filled them in because there used to be that pool in, in Irish Hill, like if you know neighborhoods, uh, there used to be a pool in Irish Hill at that park in Irish Hill where they got a walking circle now, and I think they got a spray, a spray uh, pool. Uh, Abramson, he, he filled in the hole. There used to be a pool there. He, he not only shut it down, he filled in the hole. So you can't have the pool back. So, uh, uh, and then they started, this is last year, they started talking about shutting down the libraries. I love the public li- libraries. It's a bastion of uh, socialist society. The, the concept more so of that I can go free of cost and uh, the gain information or whatever, you know, so it's, I think going beyond what we talked about uh, on the last time, talking about how the, the system of apartheid, it was way more than, uh, you know, this sort of practical structural thing, but it was the concept. That's how these things get to uh, survive through the generations, uh, these concepts that, um, you know, controlling of information, um, the unhoused uh, brothers and sisters out here, uh, safe places for them to go. Um, you know, so we're, we, we're very much, uh, this is a frontline conversation of uh, what does it mean to, to be a compassionate city, to be a, uh, um, an astute populace that uh, takes care of its own. Um, you know, we, we uh, those of us uh, on the front lines, uh, we, we challenge and we uh, hold accountable those systems uh, wherever they lie uh, to make sure that you know we get we you know power to the people to that you know these things are met i think it's also um the natural right that we have we keep talking about what's a human right and we know that like the united states was uh complicit with building the human rights at a time where like there was extreme turmoils between monarchies and stuff giving way to to oligarchies right like that's what we've been looking at as the major um nemesis of democracies and republics here after the 1930s um and then you know giving way with these wars we're meddling in and everybody's evil at the same time it's what you build in you're taking away the socialist structure from the people putting it in the hands of the government it is no longer a socialist structure and so that's the same thing that we see them trying to name when they name Stalinism and stuff. Well, I mean, that's what he did. But then Leninism, who's like, hey, this is what we're trying to do. Um, and then this notion that Marxism is bad. But I, I still want to, like, roll all of that back, that they stole all of that from, like, black folks, Moors, and um, Ethiopia, and, and Western Africa, just to build the society that's, bu- that's painted in white patriarchy. You know what I'm saying? White patriarchy wants to see um, the emulation of societies that are that are spent without having to utilize extreme currency. And when I say extreme currency, like the wealth and and the the 
the establishment is is set on a dollar or a, this this piece of paper like at the end of the day and so like a lot of countries are looking at that but they also are rolling things back like we're not looking at what is happening in Vietnam being able to be successful in capitalism but also utilizing socialism the same way in France um, still being able to uprise but also still being able to move forward the things that they need forward move forward and if we haven't been studying we got to be exemplifying and lifting up how Hong Kong has managed to make sure that they bring themselves all the way through here without actually collapsing um, an entire monetary structure. So those are the things that I think we're, we're essentially looking at. And at the, the holistic point of that, that natural right is joy. That natural right is just to live. That natural right is is to dance in the streets. The natural right to you know even you know find joy in destruction, yeah. destruction I mean, of of buildings and and the emulation of what this oppression looks like. Those kids in the street are not lost. They know exactly what that is. Mm-hmm. Uh, somebody did a TikTok and was like, God created all these little Gen Z babies. They bisexual. They social justice warriors. They this that and the other and said deal with it. Yes. Yeah, now they're they're on they're on they're on fire, man. I love them. They're they're very much they're 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 braver than so many of us. Like I I stand in awe, um, and I think you know beautiful point. Uh, just like you know, I ask myself all the time, hermeneutics. Like man, why are we out here? And it's like I can't live the freest life that I can live because of these uh, structural barriers of uh, you know uh, racism, sexism, homophobia, uh, you know classism. All of these things keep me from the, the best life that I can live. That I'm, it's, if I'm not hurting anybody, you know, I get to I and uh, I alone can determine that. But the, the powers that be, um, you know, remove ourselves. We love to uh, individual rugged individualism. Um, we love to put an emphasis on it, um, but you know, we, we slowly see that just you know. These economic systems, I think that's the beautiful language of just seeing within these black liberation movements, um, all things pointing towards the economic struggles. Um, We can't uh, have this uh, cultural uh, conflict, you know, sort of conversation without um, understanding the economics that, that lie underneath. I almost sometimes I'd be like, man. They, they probably wouldn't shoot us in the street as much if we had more uh, collective money. You know what I'm saying? Like, part of it is your race is your class in this country and, uh, dare I say, in this world. I can go any place in this world uh, where there's civilization and I'm treated as the other uh, because of uh, what that is. So, um, you know, as long as there's breath in our body, uh, that that is... Uh, the struggle that we find ourselves in and, and we're not going to stop. So because of the massive numbers of people out in the streets, uh, I, uh, you've had, like, for instance, uh, uh, Breonna's law got uh, passed through the Metro Council here in Louisville, which was against the no-knock warrants. And and uh, you had these uh, Confederate statues come down all across the country. And... Uh, uh, it, including in Kentucky, as a matter of fact. And that's just a sort of example of of the energy that's created by people, young people, black, white, and some older folk, too, out out here in the streets. So do you think that, and this question is for both of you, do you think that the people 
who are in office are prepared to maximize the benefits of the of the energy created by the people in the street. Because sometimes there's a separation between people in the street and the people in uh, at City Hall, whether it's in Louisville or Washington or, or other or Frankfurt. So, do you think that what as a with a political analysis, what do you think we're going to get out of the energy that's being created by the people out in the street? Um, if we have to be able to support political education so that folks understand what um, the dynamics is. They they do realize you come to my house and ask for my vote, but don't represent me when you get in. And so it doesn't necessarily mean you're a Republican or a Democrat. Um, the people just want proper representation. And so a lot of folks are running for that. I mean, uh, what's his name? Um, uh, out in Sacramento, uh, the boy that got killed, and I know him, um, he ran for mayor. And like people were like, he can't do that. He's this, he's that, based on his personality. But he has the will and the drive, and he ran. You know what I'm saying? Like Those are the things that I think folks are looking for, and then people can come support. What I don't think that folks understand is like what that support looks like. So if the people are asking for uh, particularly something, then that's what you have to provide. You can't say, hey, wait, I know what's better more than the people. This is actually what, what is going to be better. When the people have exhausted what has already been there, right? So um, we're looking at electoral politics because that's the first thing off the off the bat. How are we voting? How are we getting to the vote? Are they messing with the ballots? Um, or are they doing this? Or, you know, like anything that has to do with how we can actually get the vote in. And then we're looking at like what it looks like to run candidates and stuff. And I think people um, joining Charles Booker's campaign was to see what that looked like to run up against this oligarchical system, right? Amy McGrath and Mitch McConnell um, had a conversation with um Amy McGrath's, uh, I don't even know what he was actually. And I just think it's just been interesting. That there's a lot of black um, elites and um, wonder folks and suits that want to like jump on board and like get into her ear like this is what we need and you don't even know what the first thing that the people in the streets need or like you know what the, the young people are who are doing these marches or anything need. Um, to try to influence this woman, this woman who doesn't care, this woman who is racist um, because she's white, and then this woman who has been put here in place by this system that does not want it to go away. Um, so then what is it that we need to send a message to Amy for? And, I, and people want to keep saying, oh, let's have a, a town hall. Let's do this. That's not going to get Amy to the table to change anything. It's almost a sense of entitlement, if you will, you know, that the, uh, you know, I know what's best. Um and man, he's like going back to these kids, man. They ain't, they, they know what time it is. Um, I, I truly see it as to go back to your original question of you know, do they have the capacity? Do our elected officials have the capacity to give us what we need? Um, I challenge them because I, I understand this is an outside inside game. You know, listen to uh, the the voices. I, I don't want to say um, they're unheard, but they are. Um, you know, unrecognized. These voices are loud. They're right here in front of you. What are you going to do about them? And um, so listening to those and crafting, because you work for us, craft um, the structure of what you're going to do around that. Um, so, but we have to keep the pressure. They're, they're, they don't work, they work insular. We have to break the door down in order for them uh, to meet these, especially if they're progressive radical needs, 
um, we have we have no other choice. Man, I mean, just being in these streets, you you can you know you see the cries for humanity. It's like man, the the house of the desperate. Um, man, if you you got nothing to lose, man, all all everything's on the table at any moment. Um, so, you know, when we work within that structure, man, I mean, you see you see that uh, upfront and personal, like um, some some beautiful things can be created from that. So I'm I'm here uh, as a testament, man. And this uh, this town of ours, uh, been here since I was three years old, man. It's a cold piece. Uh, just the 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 wheels that the the powers that be. We got a little bit of uh, Rust Belt anti-unionism. I mean, we're we're quite a uh, uh, we we have Southern um, proclivities. Just in terms of our uh, the racist structure in one of the most segregated towns in Metro uh, U.S., um, we you know this is a thousand pound gorilla that we're up against here, um, but you know we we stand in the face of it uh, with with a heart full of courage and and saying that um, we get to control what this narrative is going to be, and we're just going to love each other through it. So. Uh, uh so, with the politicians that we have, we it was strictly strictly political uh, tip. Uh, uh, it, uh, it might be good to to not just only criticize them, but to, uh, uh, but if they're ones that you think are positive. Uh, or have positive ideas, let me put it this way, uh, uh, it might be good to recognize, uh, uh, at least intellectually or some other kind of way, folks who have uh, uh, positive ideas. Uh, uh. So, uh, folks, we're here today with uh, Vincent Gonzalez on the board of the Kentucky Alliance Against Racist and Political Repression, and we've got Chanel Helm of Black Lives Matter Louisville. Uh, uh, it's one of the most ex- uh, exciting times in sort of the history of the city, history of the country. Uh, it's it's exciting and depressing at the same time, and uh, I think a lot of people are in kind of a COVID shock and uh, economic pressure shock. And it's amazing that uh, and how do you function psychologically up under all this pressure that yeah. uh, folks are under? I, I did not have the pick three numbers on uh, twenty twenty. I didn't. I didn't see this one. <laughs> I don't know, man. I, personally, uh, man, it's, it, this has been tough in so many ways. I think uh, ain't no free lunch out here. If you fight back against these uh, systems that consume all, uh, you will not leave unscathed. Man, I'm, you know, just in talking. I think it's ironic, uh, and then also condescending that you use free lunch in the same way to like talk about the system that stole the free lunch from us. Okay. Um, reminding ourselves that we create every time that there is destruction. That's Afrofuturism. That's making sure that we see what the future looks like. We know that white supremacy sees draconianism. It sees dire needs. It sees um, pain and suffering as the future after an apocalypse. Um, Adrian Marie Mm -hmm. Brown is one of, like, I just love that all of our folks are, like, actually here so we can give them flowers now and just, you know, support them as they're just 
building out these visions um, for what black liberation looks like and states that we go through apocalypses all the time, right? Like Louisville is yet to go through apocalypse. Maybe it needs it. Detroit has been through an apocalypse and is going through like this robust revolution um, and a few other places, right? Like apocalypses happen for black folks and brown folks and indigenous folks all the time. And we come back from them all the time. Um, we build. And I think that's what we saw with the Black Panthers, the Black Liberation Army, um, the Republic of New Africa, um, all of those things. And they're still here. Malcolm X Grassroots Movement, Black Lives Matter, um, the Movement for Black Lives, you know, all the organizations and, and groups. And I'm just talking about the formation. I'm not talking about you got a nonprofit or LLC because it doesn't mean anything at the end of the day when we're talking about what liberation looks like for us and planting that seed into our babies, but also planting that seed into people. I think one of the worst quotes to ever use is um, the one by Frederick Douglass. You know, you can't repair broken people. You can support them and give them the nourishment that they need. Yes, you can. We're watching them starve us now. Um, and when people get food, they, they most certainly um, change into a healthier person, right? If the food is healthy, um, they also get nourished, right? So if you starve somebody, you don't give them food. So what do you get? So, folks, we're here with uh, Vincent Gonzalez and, uh, and Chanel Helm. Vincent Gonzalez and the Kentucky Alliance Against Racism and Political Repression. And Chanel Helm of Black Lives Matter Louisville. I want to thank them for being here with us today. Thank you all so much. Hey, now. And thank you, Chanel Helm, for being here with us. Yeah. And so, folks, you've been listening to On the Edge with K.A. Owens, and we'll be back next week.